Well, I didn't mention to you, and I'm sorry, I neglected to to say where I came from. I just showed up here in Roebuck today. Um, but we we live in Greenville, and we are members of downtown Presbyterian Church. Um, I'm a candidate under care of the Presbytery, so that's how I came to know uh, Pastor Winston. And uh, I'm completing my internship there at, at DPC. Um, but prior to moving to the upstate, my wife and I were missionaries in Panama, and we were there for two years uh, prior to, to moving here to the upstate. And our son Nicholas was born there, so he's, as we would say, Panameño. He has dual citizenship. <laughs> but uh, it's part of our lives. That's who we are. I continue to use Spanish on a daily basis. My, my job right now is as a medical interpreter for Bon Secor St. Francis and I've been working remote since March of this year, and we're supposed to be remote through March next year, unless something changes, but uh, our lives are are busy, our our lives are full, but they're good. Um, I'm working on my MDiv still through Erskine Seminary and and plan to complete by the end of of this coming year, so we're grateful for the opportunity to get to know you and hope maybe you can uh, meet my family afterwards and and we can share some time together. But this morning, if you want to open your Bibles uh, to John chapter 1, I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 1. We have come through the Christmas season, and and I trust that uh, you all enjoyed some time celebrating with your family. Maybe you have Some of those after-Christmas gatherings with extended family planned. I know our family was in Winston-Salem this week with my parents, and we're going to meet my wife's parents down on Edisto Island uh, this week to celebrate Christmas and New Year's with them. But we have been considering, once again, as we do on an annual basis, the birth of Jesus and the significance of that in our lives. And we refer to that as the incarnation, when God uh, became man, when God took on flesh and was born uh, into this world. And that's what I would invite you to consider this morning, is the the wonder of the incarnation. That's what we're going to study, mainly from John 1, 14. But uh, as you're finding your place in the Bible there in John chapter 1, Uh, Perhaps you're like me during this time of quarantine and coronavirus. Perhaps you've grown tired of this phrase that we hear all the time, unprecedented times. We hear it on uh, TV commercials, on the radio. Dare I say anyone may have received a Christmas card with unprecedented times in it. I, I don't know. I wouldn't doubt it. But as cliche as the phrase is, Uh, It is descriptive of the times in which we are living. And suffice it to say, this is a unique Christmas season for us, unlike one that we have experienced before. You know, we think of familiar Christmas songs during this time, and instead of hearing, and so I'm offering this simple phrase from kids, 1 to 92, although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to you. This year, we might hear something like, and so I'm offering a general caution from people 1 to 92. Stay safe, stay home, mask up yourself and your loved ones too. Now, that's not to 
discredit uh, the coronavirus. It's just to say things are quite different. The concern is real. The danger is real. And it has deeply affected us as we are celebrating and gathering together. Perhaps you've felt it more acutely, especially this week, having just celebrated Christmas. Maybe you were hindered from meeting with other people. Maybe you didn't get to see some loved ones that you were hoping to see. But let me encourage you with this fact. Despite the different circumstances and a unique Christmas season, the wonder of the Advent remains the same, that God became man and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. The wonder of the Advent season encourages our hearts. Those of you who have had children or are in a life stage like us, we delight in that childlike wonder at Christmas when a child's eyes glows, even reflecting the lights from Christmas decorations. And it's a, it brings joy to anyone's heart to see that. But I wonder if we may have lost some of the Christian wonder at Christmas, of the joy and the, the awe and reverence for the Incarnation. That God took on flesh and was born of a woman. Well, amid a very different Christmas season, here's my invitation to you. I invite you to wonder anew at the incarnation. Consider this fact that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Follow along as we read here in John chapter 1. I'll read. Let me read. Starting in verse 1, we'll read to verse 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people Did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. 
He has made him known. Let's pray once again before we begin our message. Father, we ask you that you would take your word, that you would plant it deeply in our hearts, that it would bring encouragement to us, that it would take root, and that you would be honored by what is said and done this morning, that Jesus would be magnified and glorified in our midst. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. John chapter 1 contains one of the most profound yet simple explanations of the deity of Christ or the fact that Jesus is God. In fact, maybe you have had an encounter with a Jehovah's Witness. I know I encountered a Jehovah's Witness and we struck up a conversation and we talked about this fact of the deity of Christ. And she said, no, look, And she turned to her Bible in John chapter 1, and she said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. And I said, wait a minute. Hold up right there. That one article changes everything. And we began to have a conversation about uh, textual basis for our translations and, and the fact that our Bible is accurate when it says the Word was God. Jesus is God. And John is clearly telling us that Jesus is one who was eternally existent. He has no beginning or end. He was begotten, not created. He was not born like you and I with uh, both mother and father. He was begotten of the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. He is one in substance with the Father. In other words, that's one way to say he and the Father are the same. They are one. Well, these things are important to remember because it helps us understand the rest of John chapter 1 and the whole gospel of John. But when we look here at John chapter 1 verse 14, we have to keep that in mind. That John has told us Jesus is one with the Father. It says in John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I want to make a few comments about verse 14 and what John is telling us about the incarnation. I believe it has both a paradoxical and a personal nature. When I say that Christ's incarnation was paradoxical, what I'm saying is that it runs contrary to our expectation. Just consider for a moment, if you had the opportunity to write the story of Jesus, do you think you would write it differently? I think we probably would. Uh, We would probably make uh, make his entrance into this world much different than it actually was. Yet we find Jesus born in a stall, There was no room for him to have uh, a comfortable birth and entrance into this world. Uh, We find an unlikely couple in Mary and Joseph. Uh, We find persecution immediately upon the birth of Jesus. If you read the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus and his family had to flee to Egypt. All of this is to say uh, the story and the life of Jesus runs contrary to expectation. The whole story is something uh, different than it would be if we had written it ourselves. Here's a couple evidences of the paradoxical nature of Jesus' incarnation. The Word, 
eternal God who is one with the Father. He was made flesh and entered into time and space. You and I, we have a birth date. Maybe on our birth certificate it even says the time of day that you were born. And on the day that we die, we have a death certificate, the date and time in which we passed. Jesus has no birth certificate nor death certificate. He is eternally existent, yet he entered into time and space. It's a marvel, and it's something that we cannot fully understand. The infinite was clothed with finite flesh. The creator and sustainer of all things hungered, thirsted. He was cared for by his mother Mary. And we could go on. We could describe so many things, so many marvels about this paradoxical nature of the incarnation. Paul described it in Philippians chapter 2, that Jesus was in the form of God, but he did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. It was not what we would have expected. The paradox of Jesus' incarnation not only is seen in his birth, but also in his life and death. Once again, when we consider the life of Jesus, we, like the disciples, might have anticipated a king who was immediately placed upon a throne and immediately recognized as authoritative and glorious as he is. But he was rejected. John tells us he came unto his own, and his own received him not. This is definitely paradoxical. The paradox of Jesus' life is that the sinless one became sin for us. <clears throat> he who knew no sin was made to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. There was a paradoxical nature to the incarnation of Jesus, but also there was a personal nature. There was a personal aspect. John writes and he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. We're familiar with the life of Jesus and we know that he intimately shared his life with other people, specifically a group of 12 disciples. They were able to see him in moments where he was touched by humanity. They saw his uh, flipping of the tables in the market. They saw his compassion for the crowds. They saw his tears, his sadness. But there was, even, there was an even more exclusive group who got to see a glimpse of Jesus' divinity. There were three who were invited to the mount that we call the Mount of Transfiguration. And they saw the glory, of, the glory of God in Jesus. And they heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. John, who is writing this gospel, was an eyewitness of that account. And he saw it and communicated the glorious moment that he witnessed. Well, you and I may be sitting here and we say, I was not an eyewitness of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. 
All I have is the scriptures to tell me about that. All I have are are these accounts included in the gospel. Well, I believe that Christ's incarnation is personal to us as he is our high priest. The author of Hebrews writes, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Indeed, Christ's incarnation is most personal for all who place their faith and trust in what he has done on the cross. We might be disconnected in between hundreds of years uh, between us and the life of Christ, but through his incarnation and his substitutionary death on the cross, we can become personally connected to his incarnation. Listen to this familiar passage in Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Through what Christ has done on the cross for us, Taking the punishment for our sin, there is a very real and personal connection with him becoming man, taking flesh upon himself. Well, you might be asking yourself, so what? What does all this mean to me two days after Christmas in the year 2020? What am I supposed to do with this information? In fact, when I uh, went to to college, I I studied at a college in West Virginia, at a Bible college, And we had a chapel notebook. We had chapel, I think, three times a week. And we were supposed to take notes when the speaker was was speaking. And at the conclusion of each section, there was something called a so what bridge. Uh, And the point of that so what bridge was for us to ask, what am I supposed to do with this information? Is there something I'm supposed to put into practice? Is there something I'm supposed to believe? How do I respond to what has been preached. Well, your so what is in the form of this invitation. Because of this paradoxical paradoxical and personal nature of Christ's incarnation, I invite you once again to wonder anew at the fact that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John provides for us Three characteristics in verse 14 of the incarnation. And these are three uh, pegs that we can hold on to, if you will, when we uh, try and and, and force ourselves to, to wonder anew and consider the fact that God became man. These are glory, grace, and truth. So consider these three characteristics that may help us to draw in a little bit closer this year in awe and wonder. First of all, we have glory. John writes, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, 
glory as of the only Son from the Father. This glory uh, was only shared between Jesus and the Father. Remember that John has shown us already Jesus is one in substance with the Father. In other words, the Father's glory is his glory as well. And the marvel is that we are talking about the glory of the great God Jehovah, Adonai, Yahweh, all the names that we could attribute to God the Father. We, we are talking about his glory that is reflected in the Old Testament. If you consider how the glory of God is seen in the Old Testament, it's often something very great and terrible uh, and even dangerous. Uh, it was often manifested in fire and smoke, thunder, lightning, blinding light. If you remember the familiar story in Exodus 33, Moses asks to see the glory of God. And you know how the Lord responds to him? He says, no man shall see my face and live. His glory was too great to behold. No one could look upon the glory of God. They would be consumed immediately. Well, the marvel in the incarnation is that the glory of God, which had been unapproachable, unable to be seen, was clearly manifested in Jesus. Yet it was, it was cloaked in humanity. The God of glory became a man. He entered into our world. He was born as a baby. Yet this was the same God of glory. Paul writes, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And before that, Paul wrote, We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. The wonder of this incarnation is that the God who dwells in unapproachable light has drawn near unto man. We can come into his presence without being consumed. In the incarnation, we wonder anew at the glory of The God of glory became a man. Let that stir you up into wonder and reverence and awe thinking on this incarnation. Well, John also tells us of grace. This God of glory, John tells us, was full of grace. Full of grace. The grace of God was manifested in the person of Jesus. But it was unlike our human concept of grace. It was not bound by humanity. What I mean by that is all of us are capable of extending a certain amount of grace to one another. But if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes it runs out. Sometimes we get to a point where we say, you know what, that's the last time I'm going to help you. Maybe you've said that to a family member over this Christmas season. That's the last time I'm going to give him a chance. (laughs) I'm not going to bend over backwards for him again. I'm done. I've had enough. Well, the marvel of the grace of God is that it never runs out. And in Jesus, the abundant grace of God is clearly seen. 
John writes, from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. It is abundant, never-ending. It is not bound in the same way our grace can be bound. The incarnation of Jesus displays God's mercy and kindness and man's unmerited favor. That's what grace means. It's nothing that we deserved. If we consider our human history, we might ask, did we really deserve a savior? No. We have been a rebellious people. We have not honored God as he is to be honored and worshiped. Yet, in his mercy and kindness, he sent his son to be born of a virgin. And Paul writes to Titus and says, The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Luke writes in his gospel, All flesh shall see the salvation of God. In the incarnation, the grace of God was put on full display. We marvel that man could not approach God because of his sin. Yet God, in his grace, sent his son to take our place and our punishment for sin so that we, through him, might draw nigh unto God. So in the incarnation, we wonder anew at grace. God's grace was put on display in flesh and bone. Well, John goes on to give us a third, a third help in stirring us up into awe and wonder, and that is truth. Truth. He says, Jesus was full of grace and truth. Truth was personified in Jesus because Jesus is truth. Jesus would later tell us that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. But the truth of God is seen in the birth of Jesus. All the fulfilled promises of the coming Messiah, all of the promises that he had made to his people of old had come true. Not one had been broken. In the birth of the Messiah, we see clear declaration that the word of God is true. John writes, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth come by Jesus Christ. God had given his law through Moses uh, to teach his people how they were to live, how they were to honor him and serve him. But grace and truth are found in Jesus. As we walk with him, we walk in his grace and his truth. Later, John would write in 3 John, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. You know, this concept was a little difficult for some people to understand. Some of John's readers would take his gospel and run in a different direction. They developed what's called Gnosticism. And if you've been in the church long enough, you've probably heard that before. But the, their understanding of this truth of God could be described like the X-Files. The slogan of the show X-Files says, the truth is out there. It's mysterious. It's mystical. It's to be experienced through a supernatural uh, circumstance. Well, for us, we know that in Jesus, truth is personified. 
He is kind and inviting us to walk in his truth, to know truth as we know him. In the incarnation, we wonder anew at the truth. Jesus is truth, and every promise of God in him is yes and amen. Well, as we are experiencing this Christmas season here in the year 2020, there's no doubt that it's quite different, and it has been unlike any other that we've experienced in the past, especially during these unprecedented times, as we were reminded, but really all throughout the coming year. I invite you to wonder anew at the word being made flesh. And and I pray that these three characteristics of the incarnation, the glory, the grace, and truth as seen in Jesus, I pray that they would stir you up, that they would prompt you towards worship and adoration, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We are invited to behold the glory of God. And it leads us to reverence and worship. Has that taken place for you this Christmas season? Have you been caught up in details and planning and running to and fro and worrying and stressing out? Take a moment and pause and wonder anew that God became man. We are invited to marvel at his grace leading us to faith and repentance. The grace of God was put on full display in the birth of Jesus. He sent our Savior into this world. Ultimately, he was born to die, to be the sacrifice for our sin, to give us new life, to give us hope and peace with God. Has this happened for you? Have you experienced the grace of God in your life, giving you new birth, uh, forgiving you of your sins, clinging to him in faith and repentance as the only one who can forgive you for your sin? Marvel at his grace. I invite you once again. But we are also invited to believe in his truth, leading us to confidence and trust. Believe in the truth of God's word as displayed even in the incarnation. The promised Messiah did come. Be careful about turning to the History Channel and other channels like that this year, at this season. The birth of Jesus, did it really happen? It did happen. In the birth of Jesus, the truth of God was seen on full display once again. His promises are yes and amen in Jesus. Does this season cause you to trust in him, to grow in confidence in his word? Well, I invite you to come and wonder anew at the incarnation. Come and worship Christ the King. Let's pray.